Okay, thank you, Dave the Robot. Uh, we are back here with News Commons Radio Hour. I am Joe Amditas, and I'm joined in studio here with Jamie, Professor Jamie Bedrin. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about the current Dr. Christine Blasey Ford hearing that's happening in front of Congress at the Senate Judiciary Committee at the moment. I do believe it's still uh, going on. But I just want to play her opening statement. It's uh, about 35 seconds. So I just want to play this real quick to give you a sense of what's going on in this hearing uh, and the, the sort of the, the nature of her testimony and where and the tone of it. And so then we're going to discuss a little bit and we're going to go into some of the, the recent news that's broken around Kavanaugh's uh, confirmation in general. And so here's Dr. Blasey Ford's opening statement. Today, not because I want to be. I am terrified. I am here because I believe it is my civic duty to tell you what happened to me while Brett Kavanaugh and I were in high school. I have described the events publicly before. I summarized them in my letter to Ranking Member Feinstein and again in a letter to Chairman Grassley. I understand and appreciate the importance of your hearing from me directly about what happened to me and the impact that it has had on my life and on my family. That was Dr. Christine Blasey Ford giving her opening statement at the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. Dr. or Professor Bedrin, what, what chat should I, you want to just call you Jamie? Please. Okay, Jamie, uh, tell me a little bit about, this, I mean, this has been a heartbreaking hearing, to say the least. I think the testimony that Dr. Ford has given so far to any rational observer has been, in my opinion, genuine, has been heartfelt, and has really been devastating to watch her go through this, especially in such a public uh, an excruciatingly um, public way. Can you talk a little bit about your reactions, both to her opening statement and sort of the hearing in general as it stands so far? 100%. I, you know, I took a walk this morning. Um, we've had a break in the rain and realized I was getting very close to the time of the hearing on my way home. And I took my phone and I actually started streaming it on CNN um, until I got into my house, which is when I ran and put the television on. And, you know, the first thing that struck me was her voice. Because up until this point, we hadn't really heard her voice. And I bring that up, you know, yes, my background is in radio, so I, you know, pay attention to those things. But I remember people saying the same thing about probably Anita Hill and also, in an odd way, Monica Lewinsky. It reminded me of, you know, that time, which was, you know, I guess I was, I was in high school, but um, her voice has been so calm. She's been calm and so thoughtful in her word choice and in her presentation that it's hard not to sit there and just, it's just unbelievably devastating and at the same time captivating. I mean, you really can't stop watching or listening. The moment I left my house to get in my car to drive here to teach a class, I put it on the radio. Um, my friends are, have been texting each other. Um, and there's something so raw and real about her. You know, she asked for caffeine at one point, but clearly I don't think she wanted coffee. She wanted a Coke, which is what, you know, then later she was holding onto. I can't imagine what she's going through, but I think Richard, Senator Richard Blumenthal probably summed it up best in talking about what a teachable moment for America, because clearly this is a woman who, you know, she had resources and she 
hid this and, and kept it inside for many years, really was very thoughtful about this decision to come forward, and frankly, I think decided that she needed to. I think to quote her, it was her civic, she called it her civic duty. Um, I think that one of the interesting things, uh, aside from the testimony itself, was the structure of the way this hearing, and you mentioned Monica Lewinsky and the way that she was treated, and I think that the, the New York Times, uh, the Daily this morning, uh, covered a lot of that. And ta- or, I'm sorry, not the Daily. Uh, this is uh, Slow Burn, the latest episode of Slow mm-hmm. Burn from Slate. Fantastic podcast about the Clinton impeachment hearings and the whole process of there and the way that um, not just the senators on the on the panel responded and treated uh, Monica Lewinsky, but the people uh, who were watching the audience, we, us, the, the United States, treated her. Um, do you see differences? Can you talk about, do you see any differences in just the, I, I heard a lot of genuine um what seemed like genuinely apologetic statements from the Democratic senators on the panel com- contrasted with the uh, uh, prosecutor from Arizona who Republicans had appointed or, or, or have chosen to speak uh, on their behalf. Do you hear differences? Is there, do you hear a more um, respectful tone to this hearing uh, from any side here? Or is this still uh, a public excoriation in the same way or in the same vein as you would expect all those years ago? Now it's 20 years ago. Um, do you see progress in that at all? I mean, I'm not asking you to be a historian or, you know. It's uh, an excellent question. And I mean, and I'm trying to remember, and I don't really remember with Lewinsky. And I do remember more with um, Anita Hill. Mm. um, And, you know, there's just no comparison. I mean, you're talking about, um, I mean, Anita Hill is an academic also, but Mm -hmm. she's, you know, a black woman in America. Um, One of the things with um, Dr. Ford is they made an effort, or sorry, a they, they, yeah, they made an effort to highlight all of her um, uh, degrees, right? She, I think she owns, she has two master's degrees and a PhD, you know, in mm. addition to like her undergraduate degree. Um, they seem to be trying to be as calm and a, maybe the word is accommodating. I don't know how truly how genuine it is, but, um, you know, it, it, it's not a, um, I don't feel like she's on the other end of a firing range. I, it's interesting you say that because to me, um, of course, I was I was nine, I believe, when the Monica Lewinsky uh, hearings were going. I believe I was three. Uh, it was 1992, was Anita Hill, correct? Something around there. I, I, so I was young. Yeah. I don't have any memory of this. But I did notice That's that. That's young. <laughs> I, I, yeah. So I, I, did, I did notice something, though. I, I, I have a degree in criminal justice, and I know what a cross-examination looks like, and I know that what I saw today um, – Let's just say hinted of it, to say the least. The questions about the maps, the questions about the fear of flying. I knew that was coming. Um, For those of you who weren't listening to the hearing, there was a series of questions by the Arizona prosecutor um, who was appointed by Republicans to speak for them, um, where she hinted at the stated fear of flying that Dr. Blasey Ford has mentioned before. And as part of the reason why she did not initially want to come out to Washington to give testimony, especially in such a short period of time. And they went through this process of, or the the prosecutor went through this process of sort of walking her through all the times she's flown in the past. And it was clear from the beginning, as soon as they started asking those questions, where they were going with this. And it was a sort of, well, if you really have PTSD from, from this happening, uh, and you can't fly because of it. And they did the same thing again with the two front doors question. Right. What about the polygraph? Did you pick up on that when they said, did you, um, so you took a polygraph on the day you're, you know, that you had your grandmother's funeral? 
Yeah, no, that's exactly the same line of questioning where it is a it's not as gotcha as, say, the, the struck hearings, the Peter struck hearings mm-hmm. where they're really just visceral enemy. Right. It's clear that I think it's clear that the Republicans at least uh, are aware how uh, how sensitive this this is going to be and how it's going to be perceived and the kind of backlash they may get. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem to have stopped that sort of they basically it, it seems like it has been whittled down to the most sanitized version of a cross examination. I think that still, I think, qualifies as a more aggressive um, than than I think is is warranted. I think in this case, I think that's fairly accurate, Joe. And just for clarification, the Anita Hill hearings were just a couple of years before Lewinsky. Lewinsky, those were like ninety five. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then I guess um, Hill was um, ninety one or ninety two. I mean, yeah. you know, within the couple of years of each other. But um, you're right. And I and I did. I said I was just showing playing the hearings. I mean, airing them live really to my students. And I said, do you guys understand what's going on here with this woman? Why she's pausing? Why the attorney is pausing and asking about the polygraph that mm-hmm. she's trying to discredit her? Yeah. Um, but agreed. It wasn't like, um, you know, all the things that could come up and that you could say, like, it wasn't like the movie, the Jodie Foster movie, The Accused, right? right. Where they like, you know, just right. tear her down. Um but it certainly, to me, did not seem like an opportunity for them to actually listen and get her full, her, her full account and allow her to speak. It seemed more uh, of them trying to build walls and, you know, sort of, uh, you know, carry her into a certain area where they would be able to, to say, well, okay, well, if you had PTSD and you flew, you flew to Costa Rica, you like traveling, don't you? And on one, one part of me wanted to just scream, yeah, man, there's Xanax for that. Yeah. And the other part of me wanted to be like, this, you, you often, people often do things that are uncomfortable for totally. them in a pursuit of a larger or more pleasurable goal, whether it's vacation or, or doing your civic duty in, in speaking to Congress. But the, the, uh, I just, I want to talk a little bit more about the other allegations that are surrounding this, because one of the things that I think a lot of even people on Twitter have been pointing out that, I mean, th- this hearing is is not about Dr. Ford necessarily. This is about Brett Kavanaugh uh, or Bart O. Kavanaugh, uh, whatever he means goes by at this time. But Brett Kavanaugh is the one, if there was a trial in this sense, Brett Kavanaugh is more, this is a job interview for him. And if we're going to be uh, questioning these kind of things, this is what we needed to focus on. And so before we go forward real quick, I just wanted to talk sure. because last night, um, one additional, an additional um, uh, accuser came forward, an anonymous accuser, uh, came forward with new allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. This is NBC News reporting. The anonymous complaint was sent to the Republican Party Senator Cory Gardner of Cal- Colorado and claims that Kavanaugh physically assaulted a woman in the D.C. area in 1998 while he was drunk. Uh, and so pause for a second. We, we've heard a lot about the high school uh, issues of, of a young boy when he was 17. This is one from 1998. Uh, coincidentally, while he was working with Kenneth Starr on the Clinton uh, investigation. And so a little touch of, of, of irony there. Uh, but the person who said the complaint des- is, uh, described an incident between her own daughter, Kavanaugh, and several friends in 1998. Quote, when they left the bar under the influence of alcohol, the complaint says, they were all shocked when Brett Kavanaugh shoved her friend up against the wall very aggressively and sexually. End quote. Again, uh, in, it seems to comport with the, the description of other incidents, both uh, Dr. Blasey Ford and others who've come forward. And the author of the letter said, this is important, there were, quote, at least four witnesses, including my daughter, end quote. It seems to me that there is, and I'm not the first person to make this point, but it seems to me like it would be very easy to rectify all of this or at least explore it further if there were an FBI investigation. And we heard a little bit about that during the hearing today on whether or not that's something that they do. Uh, President Trump last night gave a 
no other way to describe it, but a rambling press conference where he seemed to say that, uh, first of all, he called the, the whole investigation a con job, uh, said that the FBI, it's not something that they do. And I just want to play a clip really quickly from that uh, press conference here. Let's... But here there was nothing to investigate from at least one standpoint. They didn't know the location. They didn't know the time. They didn't know the year. They didn't know anything. And it's like, where do you go? Also, it's not for the FBI. If you look at what Joe Biden said, he said they don't do this. And he said it very clearly. So I think when you really look at it all, it's not going to change any of the Democrats' minds. They're obstructionists. They're actually con artists because they know how quality this man is and they've destroyed a man's reputation. Okay, I don't think I can subject the listeners to any more of that. Um, So, okay, this is this is the common line. Of course, it is completely false that this is not the kind of thing that the FBI investigates. I mean, it is literally in the name of the organization. But in addition to that, the background checks, it would simply involve from my understanding, opening up a background, uh, reopening the background check for for Brett Kavanaugh, uh, routine procedure the FBI does hundreds and hundreds of times a year, as as I'm sure. Um, Before we go, because we have to go to a break, um, and we're going to come back when we have uh, one of our guests on the line, uh, can you just give me um, what you, what are your expectations for this? Do you think this will change anything, um, move the needle at all? Whether I mean, I'm sure the public response seems to be overwhelming, um, but talk a little bit. What do you what do you expect going forward? I'm not sure, honestly. Um, There are times when I think this is going to have an impact and her testimony will will move the needle, if you will. And I'm not 100% sure that that's what's going to happen. I just don't trust many of these lawmakers that they are going to, you know, um, deny the confirmation. I'm not sure that that's what's going to happen. And I, I... you know, be dishonest if I said I, I think it's I think it is. Um, so you're not optimistic that this will actually prevent the the confirmation of Kavanaugh? Well, in all fairness, I've only watched her this morning mm-hmm. and I didn't get to finish watching. And I think a lot of it will depend on how he responds, um, although I think some of the lawmakers don't care and will just do what they were planning to do anyway. But maybe, you know, if a few are swayed or if you are really disturbed by the combination of her testimony and then his, um, things could shift. I just, mm-hmm. it's it's hard for me to answer. Um, but, um, oh, there was something that you said about, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought, but something that you said mm-hmm. earlier that I wanted to go back to really quickly. I just, you know, I think knowing that she's risking so much by putting herself out there and her name out there. She's already been forced to move right, this because is, of the threats and, and the harassment right. she's received. This is a big deal. You yeah. don't, this isn't taken lightly. You know what I mean? Her life is now going to be different than, you know, it was just just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Because we all know the, the vast success of every other woman who's come forward prominently and accused uh, and, and leveled accusations. Anita Hill is clearly rich and living on a mountain. And, you know, <laughs> uh, Monica Lewinsky became, you know, no, I mean, this is not there's there is no no clear gain here, political gain for her. And I think she is brave for doing what she's done. I hope that I uh, wish her well. Uh, and we'll see what happens. Um, this is uh, ongoing. I don't know if the hearing is still going, but I hope not for her sake. Um, but we'll have to see what happens going forward. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk a little more local, talk about some New Jersey news, and maybe get our spirits up a little bit.